Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Eddie Noonan and Emma Ball are the powerhouse team behind Frameworks Films, which over the years has created the most incredible series of documentaries and programmes all about Cork and history. And before Christmas, we heard that they were celebrating their 21st anniversary, the foundation of the production company. And we thought it was well worth honouring the incredible amount of work they've done in that amount of time by sharing the stories with you. Over the next few weeks, Connor is going to explore some of the fascinating topics they've filmed. And this morning, they're delving into the history of Blackpool. But first, Connor, of course, honoured the fact that it's a big anniversary year. Eddie and Emma, the first thing I have to say, my how time flies and happy 21st and it's not year 21st, but it's 21 years since the officially established Framework Films. Can you remember the very first project you did together? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks a million, Connor, for having us on. We're delighted to to be able to chat to you (laughs) about this. I'm not sure how we're going to encapsulate 21 years (laughs) into it, but I mean, I suppose, you know, there's been some highlights along the way and I guess for us the journey started actually back in 1995 just sort of predated the actual official establishment of of frameworks started working together on an oral history project out in Blackpool we were linking in with the Blackpool Historical Society based there on Great William O'Brien Street it was really to I suppose look at the history of of Blackpool but very much from the point of view of the local people it was to hear their stories around a whole range of topics whether it be kind of local sports or, Mm. you know, the games people used to play, what sort of work people did, the social life, the local politics. The name of it was called The Lives and Times of Blackpool. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what we were trying to cover. Eddie is from Blackpool. And Eddie, I don't know if you want to say where where the kind of idea came from. Well, I suppose it was, um, again, I grew up just above, uh, it was Bangle Hill, as it was known then, not just up in St. Brendan's Road. And again, I... I went to Blackpool School. My father came from Blackpool, Slattery's Lane, as it was known then. Then it, it got a bit posh afterwards. It became Slattery's Avenue. <laughs> and again, it was just, I suppose, growing up with stories. And I remember just one particular story my mother told me. Went on to do a, a documentary on boxing later on. But mm. I remember one story and she, she spoke about a, a guy that she kind of grew up with. Mick Leahy, who was a famous boxer who, who lived in the north side. He came from the Marsh area. He went on to become a professional boxer in Britain, fought in Madison Square Garden and he fought wow. Sugar Ray Robinson yeah. and he was the first Irish boxer to win the British middleweight title. And again, when he was fighting in the UK, the local community, like in St. Brendan's Road, my mother would say that, that all the community would gather around one radio and listen mm-hmm. to his fights because there was only really one radio, there was no TV. It was like that because when I, I got interested in film and watching films, I love film because my mother used to take me to a lot of films when I was young. And I remember seeing the film Somebody Up There Likes Me, Paul Newman film about a boxer, Rocky Graziano. And yeah. there was one scene in it where all the, the, the Italian community came together 
again in the Bronx and, and they would listen to Rocky fighting and it was just that community coming together and I was saying that's exactly the same as what the story my mother told me in the yeah. North so I mean that's where I think you know these Hollywood stories but their local stories are just as, as important In the life and times of Blackpool were there any members of your family involved? Yeah there was uh, there was my uh, mod- my mother and father we interviewed them about their living and growing up in Blackpool yeah. They all worked in the Sunbeam and mm-hmm. we did have a short piece on the Sunbeam in that film which actually later inspired us to go on and do another documentary just about the Sunbeam. Yeah. I mean, that was such an iconic building, you know, on the north side of Cork. So that, that had to feature. <laughs> There's no question about it. Absolutely. By the way, anyone who's tuning in right now, I might as well say, of course, we're going to be following through on a weekly basis all of those stories that you managed to tell about Cork from the Sunbeam factory to, to Fords and many other great stories that have come out of the city over the last 21 years. You obviously got together with a social purpose in mind. Did you achieve what you set out to achieve? Well, I suppose it's for others to judge in some ways. But I mean, I guess that we really had a a very sort of passionate interest in working with people to tell their stories. You know, I mean, we we could see that and everybody in Cork knows that there's such a wealth of stories there. But I suppose at the time when we began, access to filmmaking was, you know, it wasn't for everybody. It was difficult enough to get access to good quality cameras and microphones. That was one of our aims was just to really provide that access for people. And and we love collaborating with groups. I think that's the other thing is that that's the way we we enjoy working. Most of our productions have always been linking in with with one group or another. That's what we always say. We come with the sort of filmmaking expertise. The group comes with their expertise, like in the case of that first one, the Blackpool Historical Society. People like Tom Foley there in Blackpool had been collecting archive material for years and they had an amazing treasure trove of of fantastic black and white photographs. And, you know, so they they would have the expertise in the history. It's that collaboration, you know, it's it's, it's the two joining together that that really helps to produce that, you know. So I suppose it was from that then we, we could see more and more groups were sort of beginning to talk to us maybe about making things. And we felt there was just a need for an organisation to set up that would be sort of dedicated to this type of work and specialise in community-based work or working with community and voluntary groups producing films. So that's why we then established Frameworks Films in 1999, all of 22 years ago now. Hmm. But we celebrated, as you said, our our 21st just last year. Have you managed to, first of all, I suppose, document and save stories that otherwise might have been lost? And how far have you managed to spread the word, so to speak? Another part of what we do is archiving. Well, when I say archiving, is yep. keeping everything that we have recorded over the last 30 to 40 years. And um, and that's so important is the archive. Now, when we do a project, it might be an hour, an hour and a half, but we might have uh, uh, maybe 10 or 15, 20 hours of interviews and we've kept all those. And we feel that they're as is important and more important because in another 50, 100 years, like, I think that's what people will be looking for, the original interview, the long, the one-hour interview. So that's important. I mean, archiving, mm. I, I mean, even just just on the archiving, when we were making the, um, the Lives and Times of Blackpool, we came across a film when we were interviewing somebody out in Harrington's Paint Factory out there in Blackpool. They said at the time... They had a film and I was expecting a tape they, in their archive. They had all this different types of cans of paint and that. And then they said, uh, Teddy, I think Ted O'Donovan, I think was the man, if I remember correctly. And he, he was saying, oh, we have a, an archive of film. And he brought it out and it was actually a 35 millimeter film can he brought wow. out. And I looked at it and I opened it and it was 35 millimeter film. And the date on it was 1931, 32, I think. Wow. 
And I was going, wow. And so at the time, now I can say this now, maybe I hope McCannigan isn't li- listening in. Remember, he used to run the film festival and uh, the keynote. But I brought the film into the the keynote and I asked Mick, could I just project it on the screen and make a copy of it? But the thing at the time, like nitrate film was still being used, so I wasn't too sure what's with nitrate film. <laughs> and anybody who's ever seen Cinema Paradiso yes. would know what I'm talking about so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the projection box. So uh, we were able to transfer, and there's some beautiful images of factory workers coming out along the Commons Road in Blackpool. It was like the Lumiere brothers, the factory workers coming out, and it was amazing footage. And then we sent a copy to the Irish Film Archive in Dublin. And a lot of our projects... When we are making them, people do say, oh, I have an old film here. I have something here. And I, I, I've kept all my old film stock, all my projectors, Super yeah. 8 projectors and Standard 8 projectors. I actually, the first camera I bought was actually a Super 8 camera you know, a long time ago. Isn't it amazing what you find when you just start looking and asking? You know, it's a very simple request. And I'm delighted that you made that first step. I think we should leave the last word to the voices themselves. You've sent us some clips and we'll play out the interview between yourself and Emma with the people themselves telling us about the lives and the times of Blackpool way back, recorded in 1995. So next week on the programme, we'll be following the story through the establishment of the company, possibly maybe the Sunbeam Factory story and all of that, and right through up to the current day over the next few weeks. In the meantime, as I say, thanks, Emma. Thanks, Eddie. I think we leave the last word to the people themselves. Thanks, Connor. Thank you. I suppose, in all honesty, people in Blackpool were sort of maybe not as well off, but they were... They are, and they were beautiful people. The traditional Blackpool person, you couldn't meet nicely. And I travelled the world. We had our fun, like, knocking down and run, but there was never a girl came to a house. The people were decent, yeah, like. They were very trustworthy. Very trustworthy. Like, if you got on Blackpool, when I was going to walk like the money was shot, I might go into an A's shop and say, give me ten more buns until Friday night. No more about it. And if we had to Friday night, come the next week. They were very trustworthy. Because everybody was very friendly. Like, I mean, my neighbourhood above now, the, the people there, they were poor, they had little. But what they had, they shared it, like, you know? And you never had to lock your front door. The door was... The door was always open. Community spirit, my goodness, girl, you'd never be hungry in Blackpool. I'm one of the most privileged people ever because I think I grew up most, among the most wonderful people ever because I have travelled expen- extensively and I've yet to meet the kindness, the generosity and the care of the people I grew up with in Blackpool. A short excerpt there from The Lives and Times of Blackpool. And if you want to hear more, literally just go online to their website and you'll find their archive. That's frameworksfilms.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.